What's going on, folks? Welcome to 4th and 16 Sports. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. We're going live for one hour straight wall-to-wall college football talk. This night, though, we're going to be talking NFL draft recap. Uh, and we're doing it live from here in Prompt Studios in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks to everybody for joining. We are simulcasting uh, over on 4th and 16's page and The Roar, WCCP, uh, and also over on Twitter. So thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we're going to be talking NFL draft stuff tonight. It's going to be fun. It's a hot topic. I know we talked about doing the conference realignment, but this is what's important right now. So we're going to do that. I got my main man, Faxon Childress, in the back on the controls for me. And folks, I have a special, special guest tonight. Uh, you may know him from the roar, what's going on? Mr. Mark Childress. He is the uh, host of Mark Childress Show what over on up? WCCP The Roar. Thank you for joining me tonight, man. I appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks for being here, man. This is an honor and uh, wanted to be on your show for a while, so I'm glad it worked out. You've been on my show, <laughs> so now I get to be on your a show. Ton. It's very exciting. So Mark is my official first guest of the show, so mm-hmm. uh, this is special, folks. So uh, give a hand for Mark Childress. All right, so Thank you. again, we're going to be talking about the NFL Draft. There's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of teams made some interesting picks. Uh, we're going to be going through that. We're going to be talking about the NFL uh, Clemson Tigers in the draft. Uh, that's really hot button for everybody. Uh, we're going to talk about some weird flexes, teams that had some weird stuff going on uh, when it comes to the draft. Like, <laughs> I, I can't quite understand why they did it. We'll be talking about some other weird stuff happening in the draft. And we're going to do something really, really fun and probably nonsensical. We're going to have a Super Bowl pick uh, for whoever had the best draft. So we're going to talk about all those things tonight, and we're going to get started. Before you do that, though, I want you to uh, do me a favor, folks. I don't know where you're watching or listening from. Do me a favor. In the comment section, put your favorite team and where you're listening and watching from. I want to know because this is going to get testy tonight. There's a lot of these people out here that are going to have some big opinions. I want to know where, what fan you root for, what team you root for. So go ahead and put that in the comments section. Let's start. We're going to be talking about the Clemson Tigers in the NFL draft. Of course, we know that seven Tigers were taken in the NFL draft this year. Uh, that's actually more than I thought was going to be drafted. Uh, but, you know, we, we've got a couple. Of, we, we extended the streak of first-rounders. Super excited about that. And it started off with Isaiah Simmons. He was taken eight overall by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he was he should have been taken seventh overall. We'll talk about that a little bit more, too. Uh, facts, get your opinion on the destination for Isaiah Simmons uh, in Arizona. Do you like that? Do you? How, how do you feel about that one? Yeah, I would say I don't necessarily like that for Isaiah Simmons, just considering that uh, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is more of an offensive coach, and I think that Carolina should have taken the chance on him at seven. I really don't know why they took Derrick Brown over him. Well, if you listen to the Panthers, they basically said Isaiah Simmons is too good for us. They came out with this long post basically talking about how, you know, (laughs) he he would be better suited for a veteran defense, a veteran coordinator. That makes me feel like Matt Rule and Coach Snow, defensive coordinator now brought over from Baylor, uh, just didn't know how to use him. And I've talked about this uh, ad nauseum. If you're a defensive coordinator and you're getting paid millions of dollars at the highest level of football, how do you not take a guy who is one of the top two, and depending on whose opinion you're looking at, uh, most athletic, most versatile players in the draft, how do you not take Isaiah Simmons because you don't know how to use him? That's just ridiculous. Mark, do you have any thoughts on that? That's 
ridiculous to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to me too. But I kind of like what you were saying, Ellis. That you know, Rule's a brand new uh, coach in the NFL. I like Matt Rule a lot, by the way. And I thought Simmons was a perfect fit for him. Right at Baylor, he kind of made his hay on analytics and taking the athletic guys that didn't have fits and figuring out a way to put them in a defense. But uh, it seemed like they had already decided that they wanted to set their defense up front, right, with a big defensive tackle, and, and they, they took the best one in the draft, in my opinion, for the Panthers. So that's good there. I'm happy with uh, where he's landed uh, in Arizona. They're already talking about wanting to play him at linebacker, but use him to problem solve, right? And he can solve a lot of problems. He can do so many things. So I like where he's landed. Again, it would have been nice to have him right up the road. There's a lot of bitterness towards the local Panthers. They've never picked any Clemson guys. But I would have never guessed Arizona to be his landing spot. But I think it's a good one for him. I just wasn't a huge fan of the fact that they came out. They felt the need to come out and basically reiterate why they didn't take Isaiah Simmons, the best player available. And that's that's something that you talk about for a long time. We, We talk about... You know, do you take the player at your need or do you take the best player available? And honestly, in my opinion, when you're picking that early, you take the best player available just because you he can fit every position we talked about. Another thing yeah. we talk about with that is, I guess the most important thing is the fact that when when you are picking your needs, the Panthers aren't quite the hottest team at linebacker right now. In fact, you had a lot of those guys go. So you've already lost Thomas Davis. Shaq is just kind of figuring out what's going on right now. Luke Keekley had to retire. You need a guy that can play all of those spots. Isaiah Simmons has played multiple places along the line, uh, the defense. I mean, he could play inside, outside, weak, Sam, whatever you need him to do. He even played nickel. Whatever you need him to do, and you you pass on him. The thing that gets on my nerve is that everybody, say, everybody says it's it was a need. They needed defensive tackle first. And one of the biggest things in NFL and football in general is if you have a solid offensive and defensive line, you're probably going to be successful. But they went out literally, what was it? what's that here? In the sixth round and picked up Bravian Roy from Baylor, another defensive tackle. So in my mm-hmm. opinion, you could have probably, you're going to get a defensive tackle anyway. You could have gotten Isaiah Simmons at seven, and then still gotten Bravian Roy because he wasn't going to come off the board any sooner than six. I just don't understand why you do that. Faxon, I'm going to throw it to you on this one because I'm going to ask you a question with this. Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons would make the biggest impact year one. Which, one, which guy makes the biggest impact year one? Well, I, I will say that I understand the Panthers' thought philosophy because I do feel like that defensive line is a more important position in the NFL and in general than linebacker-safety hybrid. But year one, and especially for what especially for a team in rebuild, I don't know why you wouldn't take the more promising prospect than Simmons. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know you're going to go into a rebuild. Your team isn't very good. I mean, they didn't take a single offensive pick in the draft. They took eight defensive players in seven rounds. So I don't know why you wouldn't have gone with Isaiah Simmons to be the head of your defense going forward, even though I do think Derek Brown is a really good player. I agree, and I'm not saying this to, you know, talk down on Derek Brown. Derek Brown is a monster of an athlete. He is amazing. Dude's huge. He's like 6'6", 350 pounds. He's like Dexter Lawrence for all you Clemson fans. He is legitimately that good and that big. But I'm just saying that along the defensive line, if you were already going to get another defensive tackle, and Bravian Roy, don't get me wrong, all of the guys, Lynch, all those guys at Baylor were really good. But if you're going to get one anyways, 
why not address the best player on the board, which was Isaiah Simmons. But other, other than that, again, I like what you mentioned by seven draft picks. I actually think that's a good uh, draft strategy for them specifically. They believe that they you know, drafted they offseason. They did everything they needed to do offensively, of course, bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, uh, signing Christian McCaffrey to a huge deal. They did all those things that they were supposed to do. So I can see them doing this. And, and they got some really good names. Again, Derek Brown, you two are gross matos. They did some great things, but I just can't see it. And again, moving on with Isaiah Simmons, I just think that Arizona, I was, I'm not sold on it just because I'm not 100% sold on Cliff Kingsbury or Vance Joseph defensive coordinator to be able to really use him uh, in a way that's going to make him successful. In fact, he is going to be day one starter at Arizona. Uh, he, we talk about how he's used all over the place, but I feel like they're going to get into desperation mode. That offense is going to have to be, he's going to be scoring a lot. We already know that Kyler Murray is going to be there. We already know that uh, Clemson, if you're a Clemson fan, you should be happy because Nuke Hopkins is going to go there and light it up. They've got a really good team set up, but I feel like they might be the Browns of last year. Just a super team that's assembled, but fail in the long run. I don't want to see Isaiah Simmons fail, but again, I'm happy that he got his money. He got it in the bag. He's ready to go. I, I say the only way that Isaiah Simmons ends up failing in the NFL is going to a team like the Cardinals, and I hate to say <laughs> this, with a team that doesn't have a very creative defensive coordinator. The only way he can possibly fail, a specimen like that can fail, is if he's not utilized to his strengths. And I don't know if the Cardinals are smart enough to, to realize that Simmons is a generational talent on defense and utilize him to his strengths year one. Completely agree with that. Uh, but best wishes to him, and who knows, he might end up getting something that will, he might be the best player on the team. You never know, so we'll see what's going on with them. The second pick for the Clemson Tigers, not the second pick overall, uh, drafted in the first round really early. I, I don't know that everyone was completely sold on having uh, A.J. Terrell, cornerback for Clemson, be drafted as high as 16 to the Atlanta Falcons. I, for one, am a fan of it. I think that people are being... Uh, unjustly harsh because of the last game of his season because it's what have you done for me lately. But I honestly didn't see him going up to 16. I was looking maybe 20, 24. Uh, he really turned some eyes. Uh, Mark, how do you feel about him going to the Atlanta Falcons? Do you think he's going to be able to help out? I think he'll definitely be able to help out. He's probably going to be starting day one. Uh, Falcons cut one of their longtime uh, or you know release one of their longtime defensive backs. So I think they're paving the way for him. You know, the Falcons have no problems on offense, right? You've got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, the whole, you know, fun and gun that they've got uh, going out there. They're going to put up points. Their defense has been the problem before. Uh, they're doing kind of an overhaul of it, and, and A.J. landed there. I, I like it for him. I mean, again, is it the perfect place to put him? I don't know. I mean, Dan Quinn's a defensive coach. You'd think the Falcons would have better defense than they've had. Uh, the last couple of years, but they but they have not. I mean, that's where they continue to struggle. So, AJ made an up, end up being an upgrade for them. He's going to get thrown right into the fire, I think, and I think that's a good thing for him. Completely agree. Uh, and in fact, you talk about Dan Quinn being a defensive coordinator. I think that helps him out. That's why yeah. I wanted Isaiah Simmons to go to a team, uh, maybe uh, like the Giants. Who knows? Someone that has a defensive mind that's there that could kind of lead him in. You got Dan Quinn, a guy who had one of the best defenses not too long ago in the Atlanta Falcons. Now you have A.J. Terrell, a guy who's, like you said, probably going to start week one. 
and rightfully so. He's got the right build. It was a third cornerback taken off the board, folks. He's got that right size. He's 6'1", 200 pounds. He runs a 4'4", potentially faster than that. Well, you know, depends on if you're doing hand time or later time. But the guy's blazing fast. He's got a long radius. Uh, general manager for the uh, Falcons, uh, Thomas Dimitrov, said, I quote, This guy is athletic. This guy has the ability to play the ball in the air, which is important. We have big expectations for AJ to come in and help continue build this defense. So in my opinion, he is one of those guys that they put together because we already know that they kind of imploded the team in general uh, for a little bit. You know, you had guys like Takaris McKinley, who's not going to get his fifth year option. Vic Beasley has been sent out. Uh, they made some cap moves with getting out Devontae Freeman at running back. So they're going to be able to make some moves. Uh, I really like this move for AJ uh, Terrell. What do you think, Fax? Yeah, I think this is a good landing spot for AJ and uh, a lot of the misconception with the public was with AJ Terrell pre-draft was that one national title game where he struggled against Jamar Chase. I don't think people realize that Jamar Chase is literally going to be a top 10 pick in next year's draft and is one of the best wide receiver prospects we've seen in a while. So if you're judging AJ Terrell based off of that one game, then you really aren't you really can't grasp his entire body of work. You know what? I think there's something I, I have something to say about that. I'm going to throw it over to Mark real quick because I think he's got something to say about this that could be very important. Yeah, uh, I, would, I was going to say, you know, Henderson, <laughs> uh, the defensive back from the Gators, if they would have put his numbers up and, and maybe you were going to say the same thing, Ellis, but if they would have put his numbers up against LSU, he got torched. He got burned he for like two touchdowns, 120 <laughs> yards. I think that if, if Terrell would have played against LSU earlier in the season and Henderson would have been playing in that last game, mm-hmm. Terrell might have gone up even, he might have gone up even further in the draft. I think that that was the one thing that people kept focusing on. And if you look at Henderson's, uh, n- what defensive back had a good game against LSU? <laughs> I don't Nobody know did. Nobody did. I think, I think the only one that had a decent game, but it was more of a collective effort against uh, the LSU receivers and as a whole, was Noah Igbenogany. Uh, from Auburn. Those guys had probably the most success. But if you look at a guy like C.J. Henderson, it was a lot of debate. We talked about this uh, on Walt's show a couple of weeks ago, uh, how it's you have number one, without a doubt, Jeff Okuda from Ohio State. Then we also talk about having number two could be C.J. Henderson because the national perception of C.J. Henderson was so much better, when in reality, they are very, very comparable. Both guys are 6'1". Both guys are in the 200 range. Both guys are really fast. Both guys have been multiple year starters. So again, I think it's one of those deals where Mark brings up a great point. If you saw the last game of the year, you think that AJ Terrell is a terrible, terrible cornerback. But if you rewind to like, I don't even know, when did they play? Week five, week six or something like that? The same thing happened to CJ Henderson. So again, I think if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, you should be really excited about the cornerback that you got. He can start uh, for you day one, and I think he's going to be a great position uh, pick for that team. Moving on, T. Higgins. This is one that a lot of people were kind of surprised about. You got a couple of receivers. There was a lot of receivers in the first round, folks, that were taken, and a lot of people were surprised at T. Higgins. And it's not just the Clemson thing. There was a lot of fans from other fan bases wondering why T. T Higgins didn't get drafted in the first round. Now, I'll be honest, I did not say, I said he was not going to be in the first round in the first place. I did say that. But I did see some other guys go in the first round before him that I was kind of scratching my head at. And I understand, you know, a lot of these teams are working with guys and there's some things that did not help T. Higgins. He did not have a great pro day. He did not perform at Combine. 
he didn't have a chance to really, really interview with these guys. So, of course. But if you're a Clemson fan and if you're T. Higgins, you are ecstatic. You are going to be playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that apparently T. Higgins grew up loving and his idol, A.J. Green, also plays there. So he's going to get to learn under him. Oh, and by the way, they do have Joe Burrow, the Heisman, the greatest quarterback ever, if you're, if you're a college football fan, if you're anybody but Clemson. Uh, he's going to have an opportunity to grow. And I think it's ironic that Joe Burrow is going to be wearing number nine. T. Higgins is going to be wearing 85. The Carson Palmer, Chad Ochocinco combination. So, Mark, I'm going to throw it to you first. How do you feel about T. Higgins going to the Bengals? Do you think he's going to make a big impact? Yeah, I, I think it was great for him, and, and you mentioned it. Uh, I got to actually interview T uh, just a couple of weeks ago. He was doing an autograph signing, went down there, got to spend a few minutes with him, and he mentioned when we were talking that the Bengals were his favorite teams. I just thought it was awesome. that I love it whenever the draft picks end up going to teams that they love growing up. I just think there's that you know, kismet a- aspect to it that's really cool. Also, I think it's great for T. Well, there's two things. One, A.J. Green is on the field. If T. Higgins is on the field and A.J. Green's on the field, that means T. Higgins is not going up against the best defensive back on the other side. He's not going up against double teams because A.J. is going to get a lot of those double teams and maybe the extra safety help. That's going to be a huge advantage for T. And as we saw at Clemson, if you didn't have the best DB on T and if you didn't have that safety over the top, watch out. So I think T. could have a big uh, season from that perspective. I wish he had a veteran quarterback. That's one negative for me. And listen, I think Burrow is going to do great. But, you know, growing pains coming into the league as a rookie QB, I'd much rather him have a starter who's been there four or five, six years, or maybe even a big-time veteran starter. That's really where I want a T to land is a quarterback that when you do get open, that ball's going to be there. And I'm not saying Burrow can't do that. That'd be the one thing I'd change. But for T, I'm happy. I think the Bengals is a great place. Don't overlook (laughs) Andy Dalton. So Andy Dalton – is a $17 million quarterback. So yep. he, and he's been there for 10 years, mm-hmm. as, along with A.J. Green. So I think he's going to be able to develop under them. Uh, you got to remember, at one point, Andy Dalton and A.J. Green were lighting up the NFL, but they did have a top 10 offensive line. I know that's hard to believe, uh, but at one point, they did have a really good offensive line. They made some decisions. Some guys have gotten hurt. Andy Dalton has gotten older and regressed. So I agree. Maybe that was a place that, you know, we all talked before the season that, you know, Maybe they ship out Andy Dalton. There was a lot of talk about him going to the Patriots or the Jaguars and maybe Cam Newton or something like that come in there. But I think what's going to happen is they're going to try and slow play Joe, Joe Burrow. I think that's a smart move. I think they should probably uh, pull a, you know, Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes type deal. Uh, if they can do that, <laughs> give him a little time to learn. Make sure that he's not going to die behind that terrible offensive line. I think it's going to work. And for T... You know, like you said, he's going to give him an option that gives you 80-20, whereas A.J. Green was that guy. He can be more of the Larry Fitzgerald to the new Hopkins for T. Higgins. So I think it's going to work out. Um, but I agree with you. I think that it might be a little bit of an issue going forward if Joe Burrow starts day, game one. Maybe Andy Dalton starts early in the season. I'm, I'm betting my money right now that Joe Burrow is the week one starter for the Bengals. They're the worst team in the NFL. Well, they won two games last year. <laughs> two They're games. worse than my Redskins, and that's saying something, right? That's awesome. So the Bengals won two games last year. I just think that fan base is going to demand that Joe Burrow is the starter. And if he's not a starter in week one, I guarantee you by week three or four, unless they're somehow winning games that no one expects him to win at the beginning of the season, he's going to be there. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage Dalton. But I'm, I'm going to say first snap of the season, Joe Burrow. I completely agree with that. 
Folks, we have a question of the night. We're gonna ask you, uh, like I said, I wanted you to go in the comments section, make sure to put the team that you pull for and where you're watching from. Uh, but we also had a question, which team do you think won the draft? Fax is gonna hit the comment section right now. Let me know who he thought, who basically voted for what. So I wanna hear it. Fax, hit me up with those teams. Yeah, just building on that T. Higgins topic of last time, we've got two people, uh, Peck Hayes and Bradley Gant in the comments section that both said that Cincinnati had the best draft of all those teams. So, so, and we've got some Oaklands, we've got some Minnesotas in the comments as well. But Interesting. Obviously, you see how that's sitting with the T. Higgins uh, pick is sitting with the public guy. Let me ask you a question, though. Do you think, if you're watching, folks, and be honest with me, especially because we're streaming over to the Roar, did you say that Oakland had a great draft because we have more Clemson players? <laughs> or did you do it because you really thought they had great draft picks? Uh, I agree. I think the Bengals did. They are in the conversation for top 10 uh, best draft. Of course, they did better than the, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but, I, you know, they did. I think they did. I think they addressed a lot of issues that they needed. They got a receiver, so they got that threat. They got an offensive lineman. They didn't really do much for... Uh, some of the immediate needs, but they still got a lot of great players. And then you got the best player uh, that you need as far as Joe Burrow at quarterback. So, I mean, it's the hometown guy. And then you have, you have the hometown quarterback. And then you also have the, the lifelong top flight receiver who was a lifelong fan of your team. You won. You did. But I can't give them number, <laughs> number one. I can't agree with you guys uh, on that one. Yeah, um, we've got another comment coming uh -oh. over from Glenn Matthews. He's asking about the Falcons. He says, what do you think about the Atlanta Falcons, and will they have another losing season or possibly turn it around? Ooh. Mark, I'm going to throw that to you first. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think the Falcons are going to turn it around a bit this year. And listen, uh, you know, I spent better part of 15-plus years in Atlanta before I moved uh, here to the upstate of South Carolina. Lived and died with a lot of Falcons fans down there. Uh, Dan Quinn is coaching for his job this year. And somehow in the, in the world of the NFL, how often do you see when these guys have their backs up against the wall that suddenly all the pieces fall into place? And the Falcons have had some bitten a little bit by injuries recently. Just haven't had a very good run of uh, luck since the Super Bowl. So I don't think the Falcons are winning 12, 13 games next year. You could argue that they could be in the hardest division in football. But there's an extra wild card slot this year. It seems to me like that's uh, maybe where the Falcons fall at like nine and seven or something like that. They find a way to beat the Saints and, and maybe the, the Bucks one time during the year, fall nine and seven in there and get into the playoffs. And that's probably enough to keep Quinn's job. Nine and seven is pretty – obviously, I'm a Titans fan. So nine and seven took us to the AFC Championship game. So I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I agree with you. Uh, facts, I'm going to throw it to you before I get my opinion in. How do you feel the Atlanta Falcons will fare in 2020? I really don't know what to say because when you look on paper, the Falcons have had one of the most talented rosters in football each of the last three or four years, and they've done absolutely nothing with it. Three years ago, they lost to the Eagles on when they started their Super Bowl run, and then obviously they, these last two years, they've just been mediocre. Injuries have bit them in the butt, etc. I'm not a big believer in Dan Quinn. I see probably eight, anywhere from seven to nine wins wouldn't surprise me, but Let's say Matt Ryan goes down or Julio Jones goes down. I could definitely see them just trying to tank. <laughs> Honestly, I agree with that, too, because I, I think if, if they're able to tank, there's an opportunity to have a guy like Trevor Lawrence 
or Justin Fields, depends on who you root for. If you're certain people on uh, the internet, you think that Justin Fields is without a doubt better than Trevor Lawrence and will go number one. Still, you have an opportunity to have that. You'll still have Matt Ryan. He can learn behind Matt Ryan. He's an Atlanta guy, so you can have Trevor Lawrence playing in his backyard. That's media selling. And then you have the quarterback who everyone said would have been the first quarterback picked last year, this year, and next year. So I think that's, I think seven to eight wins will be fine. I think if it gets nine, like Mark said, uh, Quinn keeps his job. I think anything less than seven, out of there. New regime coming in. Dimitrov can't keep it going. I think they have to change. But I think for the most part, they got exactly what they want. I wouldn't give them an A uh, draft pick, uh, draft grade. I'd probably give them a B. Uh, they, they addressed all their needs. They didn't always get the best players that were available, but they did a really good job. They just got, and they, in the offseason moves, you bring in a court running back like Todd Gurley. That's going to help out a lot. Uh, it's really so going to depend gonna on whether Gurley's knees can hold up this year, what their run game looks like. Because <laughs> hey, if, if he can get consistent carries, we know what he can be. But if he's got, he's had problems with arthritis and he's only 25. So if he can't stay on the field again, his career is probably just on a downward spiral into out of the league. I think so too. And I think <laughs> if not. I hate to say it, there's going to be another round of cortisol shots for him, so we'll figure it out. Uh, moving along, let's talk about some other guys that were drafted uh, from the Clemson Tigers. Uh, and a bit of a shock to a lot of people, the next guy off the board for the Tigers was Tanner Muse. I think, you know, a lot of people were ragging on Tanner Muse a lot like A.J. Terrell because you watch him in games, he might get burnt once or twice, and then even Clemson fans are going, ah, oh, Tanner Muse, Tanner Muse. But the NFL didn't see it that way. The NFL saw some things that maybe you don't see, like him coming up big and baiting quarterbacks. Jamie Newman was baited, one of the worst baits ever uh, by uh, Tanner Muse, intercepted him. Or you see him running down J.K. Dobbins in the national uh, in the semifinal uh, on a pretty much sure touchdown. That's the kind of stuff that they want to see. Now, he also is changing. Of course, they announced he's going to be wearing number 55, He's going to be a linebacker in the NFL, folks. So you don't have to worry about him covering people like it, you know, at Clemson, like everybody's worried about. He's going to actually do a pretty good job. He went out to the Las Vegas Raiders. Let me say that again because it's hard to say. Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, and they're becoming quickly Clemson West. Uh, do you call them the Clemson Raiders or the Las Vegas Tigers? Mark? Yeah, I'm, you know, I guess Clemson Raiders at this point. Um, I like the Muse pick. And if Isaiah Simmons had not gone into the draft this year from Clemson, as Clemson fans, we would all be talking about the eye-popping combine numbers that Tanner Muse put up. I mean, he ran an incredibly fast 40 and was all, you know, did great on the bench press. All his numbers were off the charts. And again, you're talking about Isaiah Simmons having maybe one of the best 10 to 15 combines ever in the history of the NFL Combine. That's how big his numbers were. Tanner had those big numbers right there. He likes to hit. I like that they're putting him there at linebacker. I mean, a couple of seasons ago when uh, O'Daniel was leaving, I thought Tanner Muse was a logical placement for the position that Isaiah Simmons ended up playing for Clemson, right? Yeah. Shows what I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I obviously had that wrong. But I, when I see uh, Muse, I think hitter, I think a linebacker. And he's a linebacker that could still probably cover a tight end in coverage. I mean, we all remember him getting burned by Jerry Judy. Yeah, a lot of people got burned by Jerry Judy. <laughs> Again, another receiver first of people. round. Yeah, exactly. So I really like Muse, and I'm loving, you know, 
I'm loving when these Clemson players are landing on teams where they have some ex-teammates on that, you know, on that team already. So he's walking into a place where he has four and now five with John Simpson. We'll call, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute. There's five Clemson players on that Raiders roster. It'll make him feel at home. I'm guessing he'll probably end up rooming with one of these guys and hanging out with him a lot. I just think it's a great spot for Tanner Muse. And uh, I think Clemson Nation loves that kid, and I, I wish him the best. I think he'll do a good job. I, I think that – well, first of all, I think the Raiders did a really good job with their draft. I mean, you got to think yeah. about it. At first it was a little strange. You take three receivers, and I was like, what's going on here? But as it unfolded and you realize what they're trying to do, they're trying to compete with the Kansas Cities of the, of the league. They're trying to compete with the Denver Broncos of the league. They want to be able to have the opportunity to play fast. Mm-hmm. Now, Al Davis was still alive. He'd be smiling right now. I got the players I want. Everybody runs a 4-2. You mentioned Tanner Muse. I think that is the reason why he was drafted so high for his expectation. I think it was because not only did he run an extremely fast 40. You know, there was conversations before they were saying the top three fastest players on the team. And this is previous to this season. Was Tanner Muse... It was Isaiah Simmons and Travis Etienne. Well, now we're seeing it. Tanner Muse is legitimately that fast. Mm-hmm. And for a guy that's going to be playing at 6'3", 235, maybe 40 pounds, he's comparable to Isaiah Simmons. The guy is, he's a freak athlete. Again, coverage might not be as strong as, say, an A.J. Terrell, but he's not a cornerback. So, especially, I mean, that makes sense. But I think they found a gem. You hit on a good point about going to a team with continuity. You can get with those guys. Being a first-year player in the NFL, it's it's tough because you're going into a whole new establishment, guys you've never met before from all over the leagues. you got D3 guys playing with you. Mm-hmm. you got coaches that are not going to baby you. And then you also have this deal where you're, now you're dealing with money, all these different things, endorsements. How do you handle that? Well, now you got five, four other guys that can help you get through this. So... I'm a big, I, th- I think it's a big deal that uh, Tanner Muse was picked that early and, again, just shows you what a good combine can do for you. Again, he is going to be wearing the number 55, and that signals that he's going to be playing linebacker before, for sure because NFL has stipulations where DBs can only wear from 20 to 49. With 55, that automatically takes him out of the DB category. So good for him. Facts, what do you think about him going to the Las Vegas Raiders? I think it's a good situation for Tanner, but you just have to say, I think it's a crime that he was picked over Kayvon Wallace. I really don't. I, I can't understand. I knew you were going to say that. I can't understand the logic in picking. I know they're going to play Tanner at linebacker, and I think Tanner's a good player. I don't know if Tanner's a, great, a good enough tackler to consistently be a, a good NFL linebacker, but he does have a unique skill set that he brings to that position. But when you look at Kayvon Wallace, He's smaller, but he's a better tackler. He can line up at Mike. He can line up at box safety. He can line up at nickel corner. He can play deep. He's just a Swiss Army knife, and he was Isaiah Simmons to a lesser extent. So I really, I really don't know what was what the thought philosophy was and why he slipped all the way to where he slipped. Because I think he's going to be a fantastic player in this league, and I think he probably could have gone into round two, early round three. Well, we're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, a couple of those safeties dropped in this draft. You talk about a guy like Xavier McKinney, who was looked at probably as the best safety, didn't even make it until the second round. So it, it's a, it, there's a big deal with these guys dropping. Um, I tend to agree with you on the fact that I feel like um, Kayvon Wallace might be a more solid, reliable player than Tanner Muse. And Tanner Muse is going to be going into position where he's going to be playing something Pretty new. He didn't really play. I mean, of course, they brought him in the box. Depends on if they're going 4-3 over, 4-3 under, whatever. 
but he's not quite so set yet. We don't know where he's going to play. We don't know if he's going to play Sam, Will, probably going to be playing Will just because of the way the NFL set up. But he doesn't know that. Whereas Kayvon Wallace is going to give you that strong safety spot. Like you said, he can line up different areas. Not to mention he is going to be a special teams stalwart. So again, I will get more to Kayvon Wallace. I can see where you're saying that again. But again, I do think that measurables and your numbers from the combine definitely change things. And I think Tanner Muse just had that extra oomph going in. Going into the next pick, another uh, Clemson Tiger going to the Raiders was John Simpson. Now, John Simpson was, in my opinion, probably the best lineman at Clemson. He had the best NFL aspects. He had the best NFL trajectory, and that was why he was picked first. Uh, North Charleston boy, <laughs> he's ready to go. He's a big guy, too. He's going to be an earth mover for them. Um, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do with him. He has the length to play tackle, but I think he's going to be a guard uh, in the NFL. He's just a big dude, very, very strong. Um, he's going out there to the Raider, Raiders as well. Mark, do you like that move? I know you like the move because he's going to you know, Clemson West, but do you think that he's going to have the ability to come in and be in that too deep? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, I had a couple of uh, – I got to sit in on the roar last Thursday in Walt's usual slot from 3 to 7, and I had a couple of national draft guys on, one John Ledyard who, uh, for Pewter Report and Jonah Tulls, who you've seen on ESPN and a lot of other places. Both of those guys had him as like a second-round pick. So they got good value for Simpson – from that perspective. So if you're drafting a lineman in the second or third round, not only are you thinking he's coming in and being in the two deep day one, Ellis, I mean, you might be plugging him into a starting slot, uh, depending on where it is. And I'm not saying Simpson's necessarily going to get plugged in there, but yeah, he will be seeing snaps in the NFL next season, especially if he got drafted that high. Absolutely. I do think he's going to get in there. It's just hard because, you know, it's, there's going to be a big transition mm -hmm. uh, and getting up to speed and dealing with the strength of the defensive line that he's going to be facing in the pros uh, and just getting, getting used to that West Coast offense, that John Gruden, you know, X left, Y, snake, Z, seven mm -hmm. over on three. That it's going to be difficult for him to be able to figure that out because at Clemson it was a you know, <laughs> three-play call and you're done. Yep. Uh, so we'll see if he can get that down. But I think the athletic ability part of it, he's going to be able to get that. Um, facts, do you like John Simpson? Oh, yeah, I think this was a great pick by the Raiders. I, I would say that I could argue that Simpson should have been taken over in Muse as well. I, John Simpson reminds me a lot of Kalichi Osamele, just oh, with yeah. a, a former Raiders guard with his run-blocking prowess, and mm -hmm. he's really good at creating lanes, especially on inside zone plays, and he moves his feet really well. I think he'll be a starter for the Raiders in the first two years of his career for sure. I think that was a great value pick by them. I do too. And like, like we say, if he can get it down, he has all the physical attributes uh, of being a starter. I, I'm not sure he's going to be a starter immediately, but I do see him getting what they call at Clemson starter snaps, where guys play a whole lot, but they're not considered starters. They're not number one on the depth chart, but they play a lot. So He's got to sure up his pass pro, and he'll, he be, a and he'll be a really good starter for a long time because he's already a great run blocker. He's he, great. And, and, and for sure, because for one of the, again, it's going to be important that he shows up that pass blocking because that's going to be a heavy part of it. Of course, they're paying, they want to keep um, Derek Carr healthy. You got Marcus Mariota, who is a glass man. You have to keep him upright. And then, you know, if, if you don't have, if you don't keep your quarterback upright, you're not going to have a lot of success in the West. I mean, that's for the NFL. That's football in general. But for this specific offense is very, very important. And this is why we've seen the Raiders 
take a dive the last few years. They haven't had very good blocking, so we'll see what happens with that. Moving along to Kayvon Wallace. We're going to speed this up a little bit, folks. Again, if you're watching, my name is Ellis Talbert. I'm here with Mark Childress of The Mark Childress Show. I got my main man, Fax and Childress, on the back on the controls. We're talking NFL draft and Clemson draft players. Uh, we're talking Kayvon Wallace now. Kayvon Wallace drafted in the fourth round to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to let Faxon go with this one first because he's an Eagles fan. Faxon, how do you feel about Kayvon Wallace? I would say that that's the only good pick the Eagles made in the entire draft. <laughs> okay. I, that's seriously how uh, – when Kayvon Wallace came off the – was still on the board there, I was ecstatic. I, he, he fills a bunch of needs immediately for the Eagles because we got a big question mark at safety with Malcolm Jenkins leaving. Jalen Mills is going to step into that role, but I think Kayvon Wallace could eventually uh, – could eventually step into that role. And Jim Schwartz is a big guy on man-to-man coverage. So I, f- I feel like you'll see uh, Kayvon Wallace line up in the box a lot and take on those tight ends and running backs out of the box and man-to-man coverage. And his speed and athleticism and tackling prowess should help him succeed in that role. I think he's going to be a really good NFL player. I like it. Mark, how do you feel about Kayvon Wallace going up to those uh, Philly boys? Yeah, I was uh, happy for Faxon, obviously. And uh you know, it's hard not to immediately draw the parallels with Brian Dawkins, right? The greatest yeah, safety yeah. has ever played for the Philadelphia Eagles. One of the greatest safeties has ever played in the NFL. And uh, I'm guessing Dawkins will be up there to be a mentor for him uh, potentially as well, uh, living in that area, which could be a really cool thing for him. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled for Kayvon, and uh, I think he's found a good home. I'm a big Redskins fan. You see the color of my shirt uh, here tonight, we're in the Burgundy uh, repping the Redskins. Bothers me a little bit that they'll have to see him twice every year uh, in the NFC East. I like to see Clemson players either go to Washington or not go in the NFC East. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hats off to Kayvon, man. I think that's going to be a fantastic place for him. I, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree for the most part with Faxon and say that the Philadelphia Eagles had a trash draft. <laughs> it was awful. I like Jalen Hurts. We'll talk about that a little bit. I oh, like Jalen Hurts, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and say that. But I think Kayvon Wallace, with him, you get a guy who is smart, a leader, a multi-year starter. He's got a mean streak in him. Anytime you watch Clemson play, he's always lighting people up. He's always the guy that's the leader in the middle of the pack before the game or during timeouts. You see him breaking down the huddle. That's the type of guy you're getting. Not only can he uh, fit in for you in that nickelback position, because he's going to be really good at that. That's what he did at Clemson. He could play cornerback if you need him to do it. Uh, and he also uh, is one of those special teams guy that will lay the wood. Now, if he were a little bit taller, of course, he comes in at about 5'11". I would probably say more like 5'10 in actuality. Uh, he's got that 200-pound range guy. He's not the fastest, but he's not slow. Look, 4'5", four, 4'6", four, is still very fast, folks. Don't get that twisted. But if I think if he would have ran a 4'4", four, four, would have been six foot. Like he said, like Faxon said earlier, I think he might have been the first or second safety taken off the board because he's literally <laughs> that good. Um, I'm just, I, I'm concerned because DBs go to Philly to die. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a great reputation, <laughs> Not especially the as anyone, of late. But I, I'm just hoping that he actually puts it together and gets on the field early. I can't wait to preseason start, if we have a preseason, to be able to watch him flourish. I love uh, Kayvon Wallace. And for the last uh, player that was drafted, uh, Tremaine, Tremaine Ankrum. Uh, he was a tackle at Clemson, right tackle, but he's going to be playing guard. He was drafted to the Los Angeles Rams in the seventh round. Uh, this one, I, I like it. I like the move to guard for him. He's a little bit of a squatty guy. Uh, you know, when he was at Clemson, I called him Tremaine Anchor. <laughs> he was really, really good. I know it was corny as hell, but it is what it is. But 
he, he was one of those guys that had really, he's a smart guy, he's a cerebral tackle. Great hands, great technique. Just a little squally, squatty, so it's hard for him to get off the line, especially if you have a guy like Jadevian Clowney or J.J. Watt coming at you. It's hard to be able to match those guys for steps. So they're going to put him inside. He's about 6'2", 6'3", 320 pounds. Perfect guard size, in my opinion. Uh, Faxon, how do you feel about Tremaine Ankrum going to the Rams? Maybe helping out Jared Goff a little bit. Yeah, well, their offensive line sucks, so they need any money, they need any help they can get to protect Goff after giving him that egregious contract. I, I think that Ankrum could be a really good guard in the NFL. Um, the, he was great at tackle at Clemson, and he could get away with playing tackle with those intangibles and his size because he's a really smart player, like you said. But he's not going to be able to get away with the short arms that he has and the small body in the NFL. Yeah. So he's going to get bumped inside to probably right guard, maybe even left guard. But I think that's inevitably a benefit for him. I mean, he's got good quickness and leverage, and he, he, can, he can get off the line pretty quick. I think it'll help him a lot, a guard like uh, – at getting those running lanes, moving to those outside zones, I think that that could be a strong suit for him. He's he's not going to start anytime soon. I feel like he's going to have to learn uh, the past pros of playing guard, and he's going to have to learn everything that comes with being a guard in the NFL. But maybe you could see three or four years down the road an inevitable takeover at the right guard spot for Ankrum. I I tend to agree with that. Mark, do you have any? Feelings about that? Do you think he could play tackle at any point? Yeah, potentially. I mean, for him, you know, I saw that. You know, even in that late spot, he's probably looking at a four-year, two-and-a-half, $2.7 million deal. What a great thing for him if he can get in the NFL and stick, right? And I think it's a really good thing for Clemson as well. You didn't have one. You had two linemen go in the draft this year. Jackson Carmen's probably going to go in the draft next year. This is the one place I feel like in the NFL draft that Clemson has not been making a lot of noise. And they've done a tremendous job fixing – not that they had bad offensive lines in the past – but I feel like you're really seeing the talent start to grow. You've got all these four stars coming in uh, as well for Clemson. So I think when you look at the Clemson Tiger program and you see two guys uh, into the NFL, including one, what, in the third round, I think that's a big thing for Clemson on the offensive line with more to come in the future. Yeah, and, you know, Clemson hadn't had a draft pick in a long time. I think it was 2014 with Brandon mm-hmm. Thomas. Yeah. So we hadn't had those kind of guys get drafted despite Clemson's dominance in college football. So it's interesting and it's good for Clemson players. It's good for prospective Clemson players. You got to think of Jackson Carmen is going to be super excited. Uh, and we'll talk about some more because another guy that was picked up, an undrafted free agent, was uh, Sean Pollard. He went up to the Ravens, which was an excellent place for him. Uh, he's going to get to go up there and be a part of those guys that are just leading the way for J.K. Dobbins and, and Gus and Mark. And let's not forget to mention Lamar Jackson. So he's going to have a great opportunity to go up there and make that squad. He just has to be able to get the technique down. Of course, he was playing tackle at Clemson. He's played guard at Clemson. He played center this last year. They're going to have to get him to nail down a position, but it's actually going to help him because he has been cross-trained. So that He's going to be one of those guys like a Dennis Kelly for the Tennessee Titans, a guy that can play any position, and that, assume, that pretty much gives you job security because someone's going to need something somewhere. So I think he's going to be able to get worked out. So you got three Clemson linemen being drafted, not drafted, two being drafted and one being picked up by one of the best teams in, in uh, NFL football, I, I, Clemson's putting themselves on the map maybe. Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, th- so those are the guys that were drafted. There's still some other guys waiting on calls. Uh, I, I don't know that Denzel will get a call. I don't know that DeAndre will get a call right off the bat. I think a lot of things have to happen. 
I think there's going to be some other free agent signings, uh, you know, maybe finding out where an Antonio Brown goes or a Des Bryant before guys like DeAndre Overton get picked up. He might even get picked up during uh, the season, so we don't know. But again, for the most part, Clemson's draft was pretty successful. So seven players taken. Uh, that's great, and I'll take that. Let's talk about some guys that were at Clemson and, you know, didn't get drafted. Uh, we're going to start with Tavian Feaster. Of course, Tavian Feaster was a running back at Clemson uh, for three years. Spent his fourth year at the rival school, South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, and he did not get drafted. Uh, but it's okay because neither did Rico Dowdle, the you know split-time starter. So neither running back at South Carolina was drafted. But Tavian Feaster did get picked up by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, that's a pretty good spot because he's going to get to go there uh, and not have any pressure. You're behind Leonard Fournette. You're not going to really have to worry about a whole lot of different things. You just, just be there. Be a good body. Stay healthy. He'll get an opportunity. How do you feel about that, Mark? Do you, do you like Tavian Feaster there? Are you surprised that he didn't get drafted? I'm not surprised that uh, Feaster did not get drafted uh, by any means. Um, I think he was one of those fringe guys, and I don't think staying at Clemson would have necessarily changed that. Still have a lot of love for Tavian Feaster. He did great things for Clemson, got himself a natty or two uh, while he was there. <laughs> I did not like that he went to uh, South Carolina. You know, talked about that on some other shows, and that's for another day. But uh, that is a good place to potentially go. You know, the Jags have been uh, shop- shopping Fournette as well. Maybe still something happens before the NFL season comes up and then everybody bumps up a little bit. So a good place for him to go and potentially stick. Yeah, and I, I think that I agree with you. I, you know, there was a lot of debate whether – if he stays at Clemson, mm-hmm. he will be drafted without a doubt. I don't necessarily I, – I agree with you. I don't necessarily think if he stays at Clemson, he gets more eyes on him. He did mm-hmm. go to the SEC. Yep. Remember, Kirby Smart likes to throw out there saying that, you know, the NFL cares more about the SEC, essentially. Mm-hmm. So you would think that he would get a fast track to getting drafted. Well, he went there, and I – look, I don't want to speculate a whole lot, but there are some things that lead to say that he was not – happy with sharing time with Travis Etienne. And I get that. Travis Etienne is a better running back, hands down. But I do think he thought that he was going to go to South Carolina and assume the starting role and get the bulk of carries and show out and all these things happening. And it didn't really turn out that way. But uh, for whatever reason, (laughs) it, it turned out that way. But I think that he still got his opportunity. He's going to get to go to the Jaguars. Like I said, you that just go there. Just work hard and stay healthy. That's all you need to do when you're an undrafted free agent. Stay healthy. Folks, it's it's hard to make a team in the first place, but if you get hurt, especially in rookie camp or anything like that, which I don't even know if we're going to have mini camps or OTAs or anything like that this year, you really have to stay healthy because the moment you get hurt, that's your death sentence. You're out. <laughs> and, it's, and it's really hard to get back in it. You get lost in the shuffle of all the guys, not to mention the veterans that will be in the free agency, but then the guys who are just on the fringe of making teams, and then you. So he has to stay healthy, but I think he'll be fine. And then probably the most disappointing, but I saw it a million miles away thing was Kelly Bryant. Now, Kelly Bryant transferred from Clemson. It was a little bit messy uh, from a publicity standpoint. He ended up going to Missouri. He had a lot of different options going different places, but he chose Missouri. He wanted to play under Barry Odom. Uh, and he you know, had an opportunity to leave Missouri when they had that band that they couldn't play in the postseason. He said, I'm going to stay with the team. I'm going to stay here. Uh, didn't get st- he he did his the start of his season wasn't terrible but as things went on he didn't do anything of note and because of the postseason ban because of the lack of a pro day 
because if he's con still considered a project quarterback, Kelly Bryant, as of right now, still hasn't gotten any calls from any teams. And maybe he has. If you're watching in the comments, please let me know, verify that. But he has not been signed. There's been multiple guys from Missouri be signed. Kelly Bryant has not. Now, this is crazy because Kelly Bryant has all the measurables. He's 6'3", 230 pounds, right? He ran a 4'6", which is kind of surprising. I thought he was going to run faster than that, but that's still not terrible. Um, but he has things he needs to work on. His mechanics with throwing the ball, accuracy, you know, being able to process the plays faster when you're reading the defense. He has a lot of stuff he has to work on. But I still find it strange that Kelly Bryant hasn't gotten a call. And let me tell you something. All right. There were a couple of quarterbacks taken. We all know the first round guys were going to be taken in the first round. There's a couple other guys that were taken later on. Jake Fromm to the Bills, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but James Morgan, FIU, he was taken. You know, there's a lot. Cole McDonald from the Titans. He played for the Hawaii Rainbow. Or they're not Rainbow Warriors anymore. Excuse me. Warriors. But Kelly Bryant did not. In fact, let me tell you something funny. I want to share this with you guys. There were a lot of quarterbacks taken undrafted free agency over Kelly Bryant. We're going to go through this list real quick. Brian Lewerke from Michigan State has signed with Patriots. Terrible quarterback. Jamar Smith. No one knows who he is. I know you don't. Louisiana Tech. Patriots. Tyler Huntley from Utah. Pretty good quarterback. Comparable to Kelly Bryant. Signed with the Ravens. That's actually a pretty good pick. But you have other guys like Kevin Davidson, Princeton. Signed. He signed with the Browns. Case Cookus. <laughs> I don't even know who this is. Northern Arizona Lumberjacks signed with the Giants. Reed Sinet from San Diego, not San Diego State. San Diego signed with the Bucks. Josh Love with San Diego, I mean San Jose State for the Rams and Brock Rudder from North Central. That's a D D3 school signed with the 49ers. Uh, Khalil Tate, which is a comparable quarterback, just a little bit shorter than Kelly Bryant, was signed as well. How do you, what do you think about facts? I'm gonna go to you first. What do you think about Kelly Bryant? I already know what you're gonna say. First and foremost, he needs to change positions if he ever wants called. a job. He, if he ever wants a job in the NFL, he needs to change positions. I mean, I think that's been apparent just by the interest that's been gauged already. I mean, Khalil Tate, as you said, got signed. He got signed by my Eagles. And in the official paperwork, that the, the Eagles put out a tweet, and it said they had signed wide receiver Khalil Tate. <laughs> so Khalil Tate has already made his position change. He's already taken that bullet. Kelly Bryant is not an NFL QB. He doesn't have a good arm. He's a one-read QB that looks around with his legs. He could be a dynamic player just because he's really athletic and he can run. He's not a quarterback. If he, if he wants a job, I suggest changing positions. <laughs> I'm going to set you up real quick, Mark. Before, before uh, <laughs> facts, Mark, I'm going I'm to set him up real quick. All right, so I get what you say, and I kind of agree with some of those things. But do you, do you really think that Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Kelly Bryant? With, yes with no? ease, with ease, yes. How? Okay, well, he's got a better arm, number one. He can throw a beautiful deep ball. And I've, for the record, I hate the Jalen Hurts pick, especially in the second round. I don't think he's great by any means, but he's got a significantly better arm than Kelly. He breaks tackles after the uh, when he tucks the ball and runs. Kelly does not. Kelly's more of a like an athletic. He, he likes to juke and spin. Hurts will put his head down almost like a running back and break tackles. He doesn't get happy feet in the pocket after one read, which is like the main thing why Kelly Bryant hasn't ever been a successful QB. And he's pretty accurate in the short and intermediate game. He's better than Kelly Bryant with the accuracy, even though he's not an extremely accurate QB. He, does, he has every single aspect of a quarterback, and he's a better runner than Kelly Bryant. And that's why he's drafted and on a team, and Kelly Bryant is not. I think he's marginally more accurate than Kelly Bryant. Margin. I'm talking about splitting hairs here. Like, I don't think that... 
I think some of the things that you're saying, he is obviously stronger than Kelly Bryant. If anybody has watched any videos of Jalen Hurts bench pressing, he could probably bench press your house uh, or squat your house. Uh, and then also, I feel like he's a little bit smarter. But the, the reason why I brought up Kelly Bryant going to Missouri, it's a big deal because I believe that if Kelly Bryant goes to Missouri, uh, to Oklahoma, excuse me, Oklahoma, and you have Jalen Hurts going to Missouri, you have the same thing happening in opposite places. I think, I think Missouri did not do Kelly Bryant any favors. You lost to Wyoming, so everybody's already going, what in the world? Whereas Jalen Hurts, for the first like four or five weeks, everyone was like, Jalen Hurts for Heisman. It, didn't, it, took, it took Joe Burrow beating Alabama the way he did for everybody to go, okay, Joe Burrow's legit. It was the Jalen Hurts train. But if Jalen Hurts goes to Missouri, we're saying the same things about him. I, I, can't, I can't see it. But again, you know, I just feel like Kelly Bryant didn't do himself any favors. I do think that's one of the guys, if he stays at Clemson, he probably gets drafted. What do you gonna, think, Mark? Oh, sorry. I was going to interrupt real quick. I disagree with that. I, I, I don't. You got to think that Kelly Bryant had elite weapons littered around him in 2017 and had 13 TDs to eight picks at Clemson. He's not a QB. Hurts is Kelly Bryant, you can make the argument that he's a better athlete than Jalen Hurts. He's a better runner because he's super elusive and he's great with his legs. But Jalen Hurts is the better quarterback. I think he would have had success at Missouri, too, because he's a great player. Well, you know, Jalen Hurts is actually faster than Kelly Bryant. So mm -hmm. it's one of those deals where I can't quite say that Jalen Hurts is not as elusive as Kelly, as Kelly Bryant. He actually he's, might be more He's elusive. better at every single aspect of football. And he's also calm. That's the thing <laughs> about it. His, his, then you should love Jalen Hurts 2020 being your starting quarterback week four. But I think that is <laughs> happening. <laughs> I can see Carson Wentz with a broken tailbone week four. Now, I, I think that you're spot on with saying that Kelly Bryant could have possibly changed his position and been in a better position. But I do think that Kelly Bryant is one of those guys that if you development, develop him, he could be a pretty good quarterback. I just I, I do have to go back to what you said, the 13 to 13 to 8 ratio. Uh, Clemson was known as a running team that year because it couldn't get it done. A lot of underthrown balls, a lot of overthrown balls, a lot of balls thrown late. Um, he's your safe guy. He's Tyrod Taylor uh, in about six years, and we all know what's about to happen to Tyrod out there in uh, Los Angeles with Justin Herbert. So, um, Mark, I'm going to throw it to you. we we got a couple other things to talk about before we end up. Don't you? Yeah, uh, there was an old quarterback at Clemson who made a position change and stuck in the NFL for a while. That's it's Chancey, yes. Chancey Stuckey um, is, is a guy that reminds me of Kelly. I mean, listen, their body size isn't the same or anything, but Chancey was a runner first, didn't have a huge arm, and knew he probably wasn't going to be a starter anymore. He did not transfer. And again, it's a different world then, and I'm not faulting Kelly for transferring. That's who keeps on popping up in my mind. I mean, Chancey Stuckey made his position change. He went played, what, for the Jets? Yep. What, did he get four or five years? I mean, he yeah. had a pretty decent career. career in the NFL because he saw the writing on the wall and make the change. I mean, hats off to Kelly for believing in himself um, and going out there and being a starting quarterback in the SEC and doing a, a you know serviceable job. I'm going to be surprised if he gets a call. You know what, though? Another guy, now you bring it up, another guy at Clemson who made that tough decision to change his position, position 
Woody Dantzler. Yeah. Woody Dantzler yes. was like, look, man, I'm short. At the time, they weren't digging 5'10 quarterbacks unless you were Doug mm-hmm. Flutie. Doug Flutie won the Heisman. So, yep. of course, he got that. But he ended up having yep. to go to Canada first and Europe and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Woody Dantzler said, look, man, I'm not going to be an NFL quarterback. Let me just play running back. Let me get on the special teams. He did that. I remember that long touchdown run, yes. kick return. Mm-hmm. The guy made a name for himself. He was able to stay in the mm-hmm. league because of that. Kelly Bryant... A little too late, but if he's going to do it, he's going to have to be a journeyman. He's going to have to work on himself. But I, I do think that Kelly Bryant can find a Tyrod Taylor-type career coming out of this. Folks, uh, we're going to move along. We, we, we might go over a little more tonight. If you're, if you're loving it, please let us know in the comment section. Uh, you know, we want to uh, keep you guys entertained. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're still going to move over. we got a couple other things. We're going to talk about teams. We got to talk about some of the weird flexes in the NFL. Let's start with the weird flexes, okay? I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. Jordan Love to the Packers, round one. Um, First of all, did anybody see that happening? Second of all, uh, do you think it was necessary? Because some people, there are a lot of people actually saying that was a necessary move. And then also, uh, how long till Aaron Rodgers uh, implodes. I'm going to start with Mark. Let me know how you feel about that. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Um, don't like his attitude. Don't like his body language. Feel like he sulks a lot. And this is kind of what he's becoming known for, right? So I'm sure his reaction was a horrible one. Reminds me a lot of uh, Ben Roethlisberger. You know, oh, Mason gosh. Rudolph got snagged. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, you know, Ben actually got himself in a little bit of trouble because one of the first things he said was basically like, I'm not helping him, right? Yeah. And <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll show them where the playbook is or something like that. And then they allegedly got into it a little bit at camp. You know, to be a quarterback in the NFL, you got to have a pretty big ego, right? And the ones that do a good job of managing that and still being a good teammate and not putting themselves in front of the team are the ones who have the most success over time. I'm getting really off the subject, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not a big fan of his bringing love in. It's weird to me. I mean, they got a lot of praise for it, and I hear Jordan Love's going to be this great quarterback. You know, if if you were going to play him, not this season, but the next, I mean, I think he's got two guaranteed seasons left for, uh, you know, for the, the starting QB. So I, it's just a weird situation to me. If he's got to wait two years, I just think that's too long. You, you might could have gotten love in the, the round. I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Was not happy with this pick, and uh, I'm guessing this is going to cause a lot of issues for the Packers. Facts, what do you think about it, man? I'm throw it to you. Well, I am a fan of Jordan Love, and I think he could be a really good quarterback in the NFL one day. That being said, this pick makes absolutely zero sense. Uh, (laughs) Rodgers is 36 and recently came out with a quote that he wanted to play with the Packers into his 40s. So I really – I view this instead of them drafting a receiver, which is a desperate need. Their wide receiver, too, is Alan Lazard right now. They desperately need some weapons, and Jimmy Graham just left. Not that he's any good or anything, but – they have no one for Rodgers to throw the ball to, and that's that's caused Rodgers to be – we saw early in his career he's a gunslinger type, and now he's more of a check down. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play to their strengths, and part of that is because they don't have any weapons on the outside. So I view this just as a giant middle finger to Aaron Rodgers from the management. I mean, they draft a QB when you've got Brandon Ayuk. You've got multiple wide receivers that are around one talents on the board, and you take another QB. I just don't understand – why they're trying to force Aaron Rodgers out when he's only 35. I mean, he's not he's not 45. Yeah. Uh, I, J- Jordan Love is no Jalen Hurts. No, but, but he he's is not Jalen Hurts, right? Yeah. Right, facts. I, I don't I – Jordan Love I is a weird good about quarterback. Jalen Hurts, I feel Hurts, weird yikes. about the whole Aaron Rodgers 35 because I'm up there, man. And, like, that's old in the NFL, but if you're looking, like, 
with the Tom Brady situation, you mentioned something that I wanted to talk about. Uh, the fact that he said he wanted to play into his 40s. Well, that didn't work out for the greatest quarterback in the league in the history right now, Tom Brady. He was shipped out. So there's a possibility that Matt LaFleur and whatever's going on with the organization that the Green Bay Packers might be trying to get him out. I didn't think it was a culture fit anyway with Matt LaFleur. I think that he was he had problems with Marcus Mariota at Tennessee. And Marcus Mariota is the, the quietest, most laid-back guy there. He went to uh, he went to Green Bay and immediately had problems with the playbook. <laughs> so I just don't I don't know how much longer he's there. My only qualm, okay, there's two things when, when I'm talking about the this pick being a weird flex is that one, you need a target besides Devonte. He is getting swallowed out there again. You mentioned Alan Lazard, not that good. Uh, he had Geronimo Allison, not that good. Jimmy Graham failed, so you need someone out there that can be a legitimate number two. Second of all, if you really thought that you needed a quarterback to transcend time for the bridge between Aaron Rodgers and the next, the future of the, uh, the squad, why not trade up to get somebody in the top five? You could have gotten any of those quarterbacks if you really wanted to. But I'm guessing they wanted Jordan Love, and they probably should have prefaced this with Aaron Rodgers first because now there's a little bit of mutiny. Is he going to do the Brett Favre thing or the Ben Roethlisberger thing where they said, I'm not teaching him nothing? Of course or is he, he is. Gonna help of course him? he is. You of know course what he's he is. It's Aaron Rodgers. He yeah. likes no one. He doesn't even like his own family. So <laughs> it's one of those deals where I can't see this panning out immediately. And I think some of the other moves, like, like drafting uh, A.J. Dillon. Well, A.J. Dillon, good running back. I think he could be a steal in the future. But you already have Aaron Jones. You already have Aaron Jones. You already have a backup running back. You already have a third string running back. And now you're getting a bruiser guy that's really only going to be in there for third down. He's not a all down back. He doesn't catch the ball at all. I am not understanding that pick. That was a weird flex. Another yeah. weird flex that I thought was strange uh, was the tragedy porn that ESPN just had to do. All right, they had to give everybody sob story. Instead of talking about these guys' GPAs or how fast they graduated or the accomplishment they had there, they set the most the rushing record at their school. Now they had to talk about their mom being a crackhead. They talked about how their dad got hit by a car and flew back 80 miles. They didn't they didn't do anything <laughs> of service to these guys. And I think that mixed with the COVID-19 stuff constantly and Roger Goodell just kind of like being bored and drunk. I don't. I thought that was a weird flex. Facts. How do you feel about that? I, that, I just thought that was weird. Yeah, it really just seemed like it, it was just. It was they were just kicking them while they were down. I mean, you already don't get to go up on the stage and share that moment that you've been looking forward to your whole life. It's already been adapted, and then on top of that, they're usually given super positive stories about this. I mean, if some way there's obviously exceptions, but like it just felt like everyone was having a sob story, and it, the mood of it was not good. Yeah, it, was, it seems like it was about ratings, and we know ratings are good. I mean, of course, everyone's sitting at home. You want everybody to watch, but I think people were going to watch anyways because there's nothing else to do, and if you're a fan of NFL football, you're going to watch it, but I just felt like they just focused way too much on the sad stories. It started last year, Josh Jacobs being homeless in a car. Man, I wanted to tear up. Now you're talking about Austin Jackson going down to the, the uh, Miami Dolphins giving part of his bone marrow to his sick sister. That made me want to cry. And then immediately you pan over later on to T. Higgins' mom is on drugs for 16 years. 
Give me a break, ESPN. Mark, what do you feel about that, man? That's just ridiculous. Yeah, you got to read the room, right? And, and Tom Rinaldi does amazing stories about, you know, obstacles that people have overcome in college football on college game day, for instance. But there's one story in a two-hour period, and ESPN shouldn't have done it as much as they did it. And that was a big misread by them, and especially with all the stuff having to do with COVID. And, and listen, you know, I felt like they went overboard a little bit with that as well. They did an amazing job raising tens of millions of dollars. Hats off to the NFL for everything that they raised. But I kind of felt like they bludgeoned us with that a little bit as well. And as an NFL fan and as a guy who watched all three days of the draft and good chunks of it, I just wanted an escape, right? And I wanted positivity. And, you know, I liked the uplifting aspect of it. But they, they just got it all wrong. And then I'm, I'm watching on day three, and Luke Bryan comes on and sings like a song <laughs> for like five and a half minutes. And it's just like it's junkies like me and you and Faxon that were watching the draft, right? It's not casual viewers at 345 in round five in the afternoon on Saturday when Luke Bryan is on there. They, they just made some poor choices uh, around it. And, it. and maybe those negative stories play better with fireworks going off in the background and guys walking up on stage and everybody hooting and hollering. They'll fix it hopefully for the next draft. It was bad. It was terrible. Uh, folks, if you have a weird flex, something you thought was strange in there, you want to talk about uh, the fact that Henry Ruggs was in a robe or uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about uh, Goodell's uh, wardrobe change because he got bored and hot or the fact that <laughs> the cheerleaders for the uh, – I think it was the uh, – I can't remember what team it was. It, it was supposed to have fans. It was just the cheerleaders, and he was trying to tell them to, to like, boo me, and the cheerleaders were like, what are you talking about? They had that technical difficulty. Uh, you're talking about uh, – what is his name? Nike, Bill Belichick's little dog. Yeah. Uh, so a lot is of that things his name, happened. Nike? Nike. Oh, nice. He I like is, that. Uh, little, nice little dog. I, I, I wish I had him. And then you had my coach, Mike Vrabel's weird sons in the background. That was very strange. <laughs> one was in a uh, costume, and the other one was just kind of pulling the Joe Exotic. Uh, we're going to move along, folks. Uh, going to talk about one, one last topic, and then we're going to get you out here tonight. I appreciate you sticking with us and having fun. That's what this is all about. Thank you for joining us. We're going to be talking about the Redskins. Yep. We're going to be talking about the Philly Eagles. We're going to be talking about the Titans and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we're going to go through all those teams, and we're going to start with the Redskins because Mr. Mark here is a Redskins fan. Now, I'm going to pose a question to Mark, mm -hmm. and I want him to ans answer honestly. Yes. Okay. With your pick, you took Chase Young. Mm -hmm. Do you re are you really happy about getting Chase Young, or did you really want a quarterback? To replace Dwayne Haskins, I know you love. I know you love yeah. some Dwayne Haskins. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not a big uh, Haskins fan by any means. Um, and leading up to the draft, I really did want them to take a risk and maybe take Hua, Tua or Herbert. But hearing everybody talk about Chase Young and not just talking about him as, oh, he's the best defensive end, you know, coming out this year. Yeah. I mean, they're comparing him to guys like Julius Peppers, right? Yeah, he compares and, himself to them. Yeah, and, they're, and yeah. they're saying his ceiling is Gold Jacket Hall of Fame. Yeah. And you just don't see guys that come through like that very much. So I will say that as we went through the first pick of the draft there, um, I did have a change of heart a little bit. 
um, and, and was excited about Chase Young. And, you know, we got Antonio Gibson in the second round, who's yep. a very poor that. man's Christian McCaffrey, right? You're taking the Panthers' offensive minds and you're bringing them up to Washington. And you've got a guy who might be able to mimic some of that, which I think is good. Uh, we got Gandy Golden, the wide receiver from Liberty. I mean, we got some offensive weapons that we need to help. We filled some holes. Um, Redskins are not going to be great next year, but I'm very bullish. And I, I thought after going into it, I thought getting Chase Young that I wasn't going to be very happy where it, where it ended up. But I was pleased. Let's spot the ball and play some football, man. <laughs> That's the next thing, right? So, Well, let me ask you a question then. Another yep. question for you. Mm-hmm. With your draft pick and with what you're returning defensively, because there's a, there's a lot of guys on that defense that are studs. We're talking about Chase Young. In fact, he just talked about he has two or three inches that he can grow. He says he's still growing. Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. The guy could end up being 6'8", 260, 70 pounds. That's a nightmare. He's already crazy good now. Do you think uh, – this is something we talked about a lot. Yeah. You said that they are picked to be dead last next year and pick one. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's still going to be the case in 2021? Do you think that you're going to make it out alive now that you've made the right – improvements for the team for the most part don't think we're a playoff team next year by any means but i think that we will see improvements uh we've got a much better head coach we jack del rio is a great defensive coach and if you give him two years with the talent the clemson or the the redskins already have on their defense you know clemson's pro or gosh the redskins are probably going to be <laughs> a top five defense two or three years down the road in the NFL. And if you're in that position, you're probably going to be a borderline playoff team or a playoff team. you got to put Haskins into the fire. You've got to give him eight to ten weeks. If he can develop and start to get better, then you keep him. If not, I just say let it go, lose a bunch of games, go get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, and reboot with that. How would you feel about Rivera possibly getting Cam Newton? If he was going to get Cam, I think he would have gotten him already. And, you know, is that the guy that I want mentoring, Mm, Dwayne Haskins? (laughs) I don't know. And, again, you know, there are times where I think Cam Newton is brilliant, and there are times where I think Cam Newton is a complete idiot. And I can't ever figure out which one is which, right? And he's definitely had some high moments in the NFL. The similarities with him and Haskins aren't as – you'd look at them both and you'd say, oh, these guys are similar. They're not as similar as you think, right? Haskins – is a pass-first quarterback, even mm-hmm. though you look at him and you think he'd be a run-first quarterback, where I felt like Cam was the other way. So I just don't think the Skins would have gotten – I think they've already gotten Cam if they were going to get him. I'd be stunned if they picked him up at this point. Again, let's just ride Haskins. You know, Dwayne, can you get 24 points a game? Because <laughs> I think the defense is going to shut a lot of people down this year. That, that's, that's all that we're asking for. That's really all that you need. Mm-hmm. If, if you were – a Redskins fan, you just want consistency. You've had a lot of quarterbacks come in. You were supposed to get Alex Smith, and he was supposed to take you to the next level. He had a traumatic injury. He's still dealing with to this day. You had Case Keenum couldn't get it done. Colt McCoy couldn't get it done. Now you have Dwayne Haskins. You kind of got to roll with it if you're not going to pick up some big name uh, in the draft. They did not. Or pick up a big name in uh, free agency. They still haven't to this point. So yep. at this point, you just got to baptize him in fire. I think the biggest thing that I was surprised with is getting Antonio Gibson. Now, big-time player, came from Memphis, so a small-school guy, so mm-hmm. you really, a lot of people don't watch uh, Memphis football unless you're one of those guys that love all of college football. Um, but, you know, good size, 6'1", 220, very, very, very fast, very versatile. I like that you mentioned Christian McCaffrey because in the, where I'm going with this is that that kind of helps your running back room. You got guys... Not very healthy. No. Got some other running backs. 
Peterson, we got Adrian. AP, uh, Adrian still Peterson there. is on his last leg. Literally. Yes, <laughs> had a pretty good year last year, but he's th- he's not going to be great. But he's not mm-hmm. going to be your future. I think Antonio Gibson. Give him time. He could potentially. Now we got to sit figure out. They did say that he could, he was going to be a running back. They said running back in the draft, but he's clearly a wide receiver. I don't know if it's going to be one of those Curtis Samuel type deals where he plays receiver and running back, mm-hmm. or if he's going to be solely at running back. I think that's going to give you some situations, again, if you can get guys to be healthy. I thought Darius Geis was going to be one of those guys who's going to have a great Me NFL too. career. Yep. But his injuries just kind of held him back. I think Antonio Gibson shore some of that up. And then bringing in a guy like Sadiq Charles off of the best offensive line in college football last season, I, y'all could win eight games, man. Oh, come on. Now, skins upside, I think, next year is six. Now, the only thing that helps him is the Giants are not a great team. And they have, when was the last time they were? Yeah, <laughs> Eagles to be determined. Cowboys we're to be determined. That. that is not a super strong division, so no. maybe they can steal a few. But Skins won three games last year. I, I don't think they improved five games in this draft mm. unless Haskins takes some really giant steps in a direction that I'm not expecting him to do it. So I, if we won five or six games this year, I would celebrate. But again, as I was saying before, that didn't really get you anywhere. No. I mean, I think you need to, to play those first eight games. I mean, if we're three and five or something, play it out. If we're one and seven, Get Haskins out of there, put whoever in there, win one or two games next year, and go get Trevor Lawrence. You would rather I'm win zero that. games in the NFL than six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six is just enough to Yeah, that's what you. I'm saying. I, yeah. I want to be a little bit better. I either want to be significantly better, or I want to be as bad as we are right now or worse so we can get a better draft pick. Uh, I'm playing for two years out, I hear not you. one. I like it. Overall, what do you think? What grade would you give your Redskins draft? Would you put them up there? Yeah, B, B plus maybe, B, okay. B plus. I mean, we filled the needs that we needed to fill. Uh, Thaddeus Moss, an interesting pickup, is like an undrafted that. free agent. And the Redskins always rely really heavily on tight ends that always get hurt. Um, so he might have a chance to make the team. I know he had a, a foot issue, uh, a broken bone in his foot that scared a lot of people off because their doctors couldn't look at him before the draft. So I thought that was a nice one. I'd give him a B or B plus. I mean, I was very pleased with where we stood. I follow every single Redskins insider on Twitter, and most of them were pretty excited as well. But again, it's the coaching staff that makes me more excited than the draft. But since these are the guys that made the picks, I'll give it to them. B-plus for the Skins. B-plus. I like it. I'm mm-hmm. going to go 7 and 9, and I'll give it a B-plus as well. I think Jeez. You 7 did. and 9. Let's go. I think 7 and 9. I'm being a little bit generous here. Yeah. I think that with the right things, defense does carry you a long way. If you get the offense to be at least somewhat uh, effective, you can win a lot of games. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. Their offense, outside of Kittle and the running back group that they had 80 running backs, now they got rid of Brita, uh, they really just ran the ball and stopped people with their defense. If you guys mm-hmm. can get in that, maybe you'll have a good opportunity. And like you said, that division, not necessarily the hardest. I think Cowboys will probably be really good. I we don't shall like see. the Cowboys. I think they're mm-hmm. awful. But it, I think they're going to be really good. Uh, and... But I think you can still get seven wins out of this season and still be pretty happy about it. Of course, you won't be able to get Trevor Lawrence unless you trade. Uh, and your best trade capital was Trent Williams. Let him go. So yep. we'll see. Moving along to the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about this one. Faxon, how do you feel about the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, e- boy. Uh, okay. I know how you feel about it. But tell me. Tell me why you feel the way you feel about the Philadelphia Eagles draft and the team makeup in general. F. 
<laughs> F minus, if that's even possible. The Eagles are going to be the Eagles are going to be dreadful this year, and that's not even just being pessimistic. They're going to win like seven games, and Dallas is going to run off with the division. They, Carson Wentz had absolutely zero help at any point in his NFL career, and that's going to continue when you yep. take a quarterback in the second round for no reason. Yep. So Jalen Rager. He's got upside, but at the end of the day, I think he's a project, and the Eagles are trending towards a rebuild, and I don't think Jalen Rager fits the timeline at all. I think Rager can probably be a really good player in two or three years down the line, but I think that's when you're going to look at, okay, we suck. It's time to trade Jalen Rager for more picks. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't think that the Eagles had a if, – if you had to say, like, what do you think the, a couple of the Eagles' good draft picks were? Kayvon Wallace, definitely, and then Prince Tega Wongago, the tackle out of Auburn in the sixth round. He really could have gone like as high as the late second or third, but he blew out his knee. So I feel like that was a good value pick. Uh, the Eagles have had a pretty good track record getting those late offensive linemen like uh, Big V, who just got a massive payday in Detroit, was a fifth-round pick out of TCU. So the Eagles have a pretty good track record in picking up those late offensive linemen and right. developing them into like guys that can play at multiple positions. So there are a couple of things to look forward to. I'm going to be interested to see if Rager can contribute immediately this year. We did take uh, John Hightower and Quez Watkins, both who run under a 4-3. So that's going to be – we got two burners this year that can, that can stretch the field. I, I think that the Eagles are going to win eight games this year uh, or Ooh. nine. Eight and eight and nine and seven is probably – it's probably where we're going to land that, and Dallas is probably going to win 11 or 12 because they Dallas knocked it out of the park. Yeah, they, they knocked it out of the park. They did. They did, 100%. And like I said, if you're watching and you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, first of all, I'm sorry. But second of all, you, got, you guys did pretty good. And as Mark just talked about, the division is pretty much yours for the taking. He's talking about winning eight games, and he's talking about winning seven. There's a good chance that, you know, the Cowboys walk with this one. But, look – how I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say D plus for, and the reason why is because I think everyone that was drafted outside of Kayvon Wallace and even some of Kayvon Wallace is an experiment. And what I mean by that is that Jalen Rager, for, I know you'll agree with this. I would have rather, if I were you, I would have rather had T Higgins than Jalen Rager. He was right there. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think we could have traded down for a team that wanted Rager and still gotten Higgins and picked up an additional pick. Right. That's exactly what I mean. I I think Rager would have been there at some point. I think T. Higgins, you could have gotten him at some point. Obviously, no other team took him except the Bengals in the first pick of the second round. You would have been able to get him. But Jalen Rager, look, the the big thing about him is they said you want to look at his upside. The fact that he's super fast. He's got a good body for the NFL. uh, He's a good receiver. But the reason why he gets a lot of knock and he didn't have enough recognition is because he played behind Connor Schulhaus and Sean Robinson at TCU. And both quarterbacks are awful, and the offense did not help him out. So they're saying if you put him with a good quarterback, he's going to be he's going to flourish. Thing is, we already saw that with T. Higgins. We know that T. Higgins can do that. And look, I know I'm making a pitch for T. Higgins, Clemson orange colored glasses. But the guy is, in my opinion, gives you all the upside that you want. You you got a guy like Alshon Jeffrey. He's like him, probably better in my opinion, at this point in the time, because Alshon Jeffrey can't stay healthy. So I think it was an experiment taking a guy that early to say, hey, maybe he can work out. Then your second round pick is Jalen Hurts. Now look, I will agree with you. 
They probably shouldn't have taken a quarterback. Arguably the worst pick in franchise history. No, oh, no. come on, come on. no up, way. He's up there with Marcus Smith already. Just because we have so, we're at the tail end of a championship window. That's going to. This is the last year. Either this year, or the last year is the last year that we're going to be able to contend for a championship. And we took a player that is not going to get on the field. And if he does, it's going to be as a running back where he's never played a position. Okay. He, there's no way he possibly sees the field, provided there's no injury. And even then, I don't even think Jalen Hurts will win the QB two job over Nate Sudfeld. I okay. really don't. He's definitely going to beat out Nate Sudfeld. I, I disagree that with that. Sudfeld's literally a Wentz clone when you look at the body. He and, is. And when you look at his body and you look at his arm strength, he has the arm strength to make all the all the throws, and he's he's been in the system for three years, and he knows the playbook. Yeah. I don't even think Jalen Hurts will win the QB2 job this year. He's going to win it because you drafted him at two in the, uh, in, in the second draft, second round. He's going he's gonna to beat out Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld, all the way through his career, he was at Indiana, really good. Comes in the NFL, had a great preseason. I thought Nate Sudfeld was going to be the man. Uh, but I'm going to put it to you this way. The reason why Jalen Hurts is going to see the field is, one, he's your Taysom Hill now. Get used to it. Two, when has Carson Wentz played a full season? Last year and his rookie year? He did not play a full season yes, he last did. year. He played 16 games and then got cheap-shotted by Cl- he, he gets the He gets the narrative that he's injury-prone when he's played in 90% of the games in his NFL career. He's missed eight games in four seasons. He is injury-prone, but I'll give you this. Like you said earlier, he has had no help. This is where I take issue with taking Jalen Rager. You were down to Josh McCown against the Giants to play quarterback, I mean, to play receiver. Josh McCown, all your guys were hurt. All of them. You could have brought in me. I would have ran a five-yard <laughs> out and blown my ACL. All right? But you need targets. So I would have said, round one, take a receiver. A, a really big time. Round two, maybe take something that you're weak at. But Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts solves absolutely zero problems for the nothing, Eagles going in the next year. Do you he, think it's weirder for Jalen Hurts to be the backup and drafted in the second round over Jordan Love being the backup for three years. Well, Jordan Love's got arm in the talent, first round. and Jordan Love, like, I, I could, you can make an argument that Jordan Love could have gone earlier, and I, I just don't see a scenario where Jalen Hurts ever sees the field for the QB of the Eagles, provided an injury doesn't happen. No, he's he's got. Look, man, I'm gonna ahead and I'm gonna let you damper your uh, temper your expectations because he's gonna see the field. Mark, I'm gonna throw it to you on this one because yeah, I, so burning. when you think of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Doug Peterson is right at the – he's like one of the top two or three in the NFL. He is. He knows what he's doing. Jalen Rager is Darren Sproles, who you use significantly in your season where you won the Super Bowl, right? If you have Deshaun Jackson back and healthy, if you have Alshon Jeffrey back and healthy, you don't need a bunch of receivers. And both of those guys should be all right this year. And if they can stay healthy, you've got a pretty good receiving core, and now you've got a Darren Sproles-like weapon coming out of the back. Plus, you got Jalen squared. You've got Jalen and Jalen. So you can put Hurts on the field and get – you know, you can you can get a different look, right? They can come in, like you're saying, the Taysom Hill uh, package, right? Yep. They can come in. They can run some wildcat out of it. He can throw the ball down the field a little bit. I just think it's a nice curveball, and it's a much better option as a backup quarterback. Maybe you could have taken him a little bit later, but – and I say this to you decently often, in fact. So I'm like, you've got a Super Bowl-winning quarterback who's an offensive genius, and he took two offensive players in his first two picks. He didn't do it because he's stupid. Right, he knows what he's doing, and maybe he's looking at this in a way that we just haven't thought of yet. I like the picks. I, I, I'm fine with Jalen Hurts. I think he will be all right. Again, 
Do I think he's going to be your face of the franchise, the guy that's going to lead you to eight Super Bowls? No. But do I think he's going to serve a, a purpose of giving you threats at multiple areas on the field? Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll let you. I'll let you. End zone pack. You know, red zone package with Put Hertz. Jalen Hurts in. He yep. can run it for you. No, and he could also do a little pop pass. There's yeah. opportunities everywhere. Maybe that's five less tackles that Wentz takes in a game, right? Maybe. And and that adds up. Maybe that buys him that one extra game that you need to get over the hump. All right, facts. I'm gonna ask you one last question, man. Who of your draft picks do you think is gonna be the most surprising? The guy that's going to make the biggest impact, and everybody's going to be like, whoa, wow. I mean, I, I, the obvious answer is Kayvon Wallace. Kayvon Wallace, there you uh, go. The, our third-round pick also, I want to speak on how atrocious of a pick that was, <laughs> Davion Taylor. They got him because of speed. They got him because he's like a linebacker-safety hybrid. Yes, This speed. guy never played football in high school. He didn't touch a football field in high school. He did he not. He went into college as a basketball player and then picked up football. So I just don't understand why we would have taken Rager, who's a project, and Davion Taylor, who's a project and Jalen our first three round picks were all project players and we're at the tail end of a championship window trending towards a rebuild the timeline just doesn't match up regardless of whether these players become good one day or not we needed someone like Justin Jefferson who's going to make immediate impact next year so we can maximize the window that we have I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie to you I thought it was gonna be Justin Jefferson I, so I did sitting, I. I mean, they showed him on the phone. They yeah, were literally I was sitting there. Us. I was like, it's Justin Jefferson. He's going to go to the Philly, uh, Philly Eagles and blow up. Nope, you took Jalen Rager. So I am perpetually confused. But again, I will give you guys a D plus, And I agree with you. I think you're probably going to win between eight and nine games. I could be, see it being a nine and seven, getting that extra wild card spot, possibly getting in there and making some noise. But it all depends on Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz is not healthy this season, and I'm just going to put it to you this way, y'all win in five games. There's no indication that he's not going to be healthy. <laughs> he, played, he played 16 last year, and when you look at the games in his career that he's missed, he played 16 his rookie year, and then the first 13 games of 2017, he tore his ACL, he missed the last three games, obviously Nick Foles goes on the Super Bowl run, and yep. then he misses the first two still rehabbing from the ACL. He plays 10 games that season, and then they shut him down due to complications. He's yep. had one injury in his career, and that's his ACL and the complications from the injury. I'm not going to count him getting cheap, like literally – any human being on the planet against Jadavion Clowney tumbling down on you, yes. helmet to helmet, and they're going to get a concussion. It was just the wrong place, wrong time. I completely agree I with you. I have zero concerns about Carson Wentz's health going forward, and I, I just don't get what the narrative is that he's an injury-prone player when he's had one major injury in four years. Jackson and Jeffrey aren't super injury-prone yeah. but players old. either, though. They're old. Yeah. They're old. Deshaun's going to be 35 this year, and Alshon's going to be 31 this year. you got to keep that in mind that – when yep. you're relying on the players that are that old, you're almost asking for it. Carson's 27. Yep. He's not He's not an old player. No, he's not. And honestly, he made, after the torn ACL, he made a pretty good play after that one. They were like, wait, you can't stand on that leg. We need to He threw a touchdown out. on a torn ACL. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're like, we need to, you can't even stand on that thing. We need to leave. And then, you know, he would have kept playing, but I think he did the right thing and pulled himself out with the whole concussion thing because this thing is getting serious. That, we saw what happened with Luke Keekley and a lot of other players are having to retire way earlier than they should have because of stuff like that. But I think, again, if he can stay healthy, and I'm only saying this just because that pretty much goes for every team. Uh, if, if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, I see a playoff run. If not, I see a picking third or fourth uh, next season in 2021 If Wentz plays all 16 and the receiving core can stay generally healthy, I think wild card, that, that extra wild card is a huge benefit for the Eagles, and I feel like that's the most likely scenario if Carson Wentz plays the whole season is wild card. 
I, I think Dallas is going to run away with the division. They're going to be like an 11 or 12 win team. Completely agree. Uh, and if we were all talking, if I were ranking the draft, uh, who, who had the best draft grade for their class, I'm going to go with Baltimore Ravens 1. I'm going to go with Dallas 2. I've been wavering between Dallas and Minnesota, but I would have Dallas at 2, Minnesota at 3. I think those three teams, of course there's other teams that really knocked it out, but I think those three pretty much helped themselves, get themselves pretty much solidly, solidly into the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Um, Dallas Cowboys, and we'll see what happens with you in the playoffs. But anyway, we're going to move along to my Tennessee Titans. Look, uh, I think we had an A draft. I won't give it an A-plus because I think that there were things that we we could have done, certain players or certain other areas. Um, and some of these players I'm just not, like, super high on, but I'm cautiously optimistic about. But I think taking Isaiah Wilson uh, in the first round offensive tackle – it's a good idea. I think that uh, you got to make sure you have depth along the offensive line. You lost Jack Conklin, went to the Browns, uh, you signed a couple other people, and you know last season we had Taylor Lewan be suspended for PEDs for the first, first four games, so you had to move a guy like Dennis Kelly out over there. Um, I think Isaiah Wilson comes in. He is built to, run the, to be in the offense uh, that we're going to be running under Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel, and you got Derrick Henry. Think about it. At Georgia, all he did was run the ball. All he did was run block. All he's going to do for Tennessee is run block. So I'm, I'm solid with that. And if he's as mean as his mom was to his girlfriend <laughs> pulling her up out of camera, I want that guy. I'm happy about him. <laughs> uh, second pick was Christian Fulton from LSU. I thought he really did a pretty good job uh, against some of our better receivers. Uh, of course, Derek Stingley had that side completely shut down. So pretty much all the throw was going to Christian Fulton. I would uh, give that Fulton pick an A+. I thought he was going to get taken in the first round. But I, obviously there were some concerns with his medicals, mm-hmm. I think, was what the reason that he fell. But you can you can ask, Mar- like, that's who I wanted in the second round. Yeah. I, I was sitting there at 54. I was like, I would be so happy if we took Christian Fulton to sure up that other side next to Slay. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, I, I, I love Christian Fulton. He's got the, uh, the A.J. Terrell, the J- C.J. Henderson – the size, he's 6'1". He's a little bit bigger than them. He's not as fast as them. He probably runs about a 4'4", 4'5". But the guy is a headhunter. He's very smart. He's good in phase. He's one of those guys that was good in uh, special teams. He's going to be able to come in and play immediately. Now, he's not going to start at left or right corner. He's probably going to be our nickel. We have Malcolm Butler and Adoree uh, Jackson on the other side. And the reason why it's important to get him is because we lost Logan Ryan uh, to free agency. He wanted too much money, and we couldn't do it or didn't want to, put it that way. Uh, so he's going to come in and play an integral part for us because he can switch out. Now, I actually thought it was going to be uh, A.J. Terrell just because I thought A.J. Terrell would drop that far. I didn't think Christian Fulton would be there. Uh, it worked out for us. I actually like Christian Fulton a little bit better than Isaiah Wilson. Uh, so I would give that an A, honestly. I love that pick. And then Darrington Evans from Appalachian State. Look, if, you're a, if, you're, if you don't really know college football, you don't watch college football, you probably don't care about Appalachian State. You know about what they did to Michigan in 2007. You know how they beat North Carolina last year, but you thought North Carolina sucks. But Appalachian State has been a perennial powerhouse for a very long time in different divisions of play. They've been an FCS team and now an FBS team, and they strike fear in a lot of teams. Darrington Evans is one of those running backs that's going to give us an opportunity to really have a solid second running back behind Derrick Henry. He's going to be a great change of pace. He catches the ball well. He's got a great dead leg. He can give you the muscle relaxer and put you to sleep. He's one of those guys that I am super stoked on having in this, uh, in this organization. We needed that. I think Deion Lewis was a little older. 
Um, he wasn't built to even be uh, – he couldn't play multiple downs. If Derrick Henry got hurt, Deion Lewis is not going to do it for you. But Darrington Evans can be that guy, and he's also pretty fast. He runs like a four, low 4-4, four, four, so super stoked on that. Uh, Laurel Murchison from NC State, not a big fan of that one. Uh, he's more of like a depth guy, defensive tackle. We lost Drill Casey to the Broncos, um, and you still have Daquan Jones. Uh, and I think the reason why the, the Titans didn't go D-line way early is because they were looking to possibly get Jadevian Clowney. We're in talks with them. We're like fifth least used cap space team in the NFL. We got a lot of money. Uh, he wants $18 million. Not sure I want to pay him that much. You could give uh, him a one-year deal because you freed up that – you freed up a lot of money here, like I think $15 million because you traded Casey. And getting rid of Logan Ryan clears Yeah, that saved up space. like $10 mil too. And Marcus Mariota, not excising his fifth-year option. But I would rather have a guy like Yannick Ngakwe just because he's cheaper and probably better at the pass rush, not as strong in run defense as Jadavian Clowney, and that's kind of what we've been predicated on, stopping the run. But, uh, again, Murchison played at NC State pretty good, but he's more of a depth guy. Uh, we'll see what happens there. The next one that I am not super stoked on, which is another one of those Kelly Bryant type deals, is Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald is the long dreaded, like dreadlocks quarterback that played at Hawaii. Um, I like him. He's got he's a, a rocket. He he's is got a Jekyll a and Hyde guy though. On his arm. He has a rocket, but he is a Jekyll and Hyde guy. One game, if you look at, if you just look at his highlights, you think he's the best quarterback in this draft. <laughs> I mean, he is ripping balls left and right. He is super accurate. Touchdown passes. Oh, and by the way, he runs like a 4'5", 40. He's 6'3", 220. Super, super just athletic guy. But then on the other hand, he looks terrible. And they're not playing necessarily great competition. He's also in Nick Rolovich's air raid offense where they're going to throw the ball 60 times a game. It's kind of misleading. Now, the reason why I like is because we only have Logan Woodside as the backup quarterback. Not super sold on Logan Woodside. He was an uh, Alliance of American Alliance Football League, AAFL, whatever. Uh, and he came out of you know Toledo, decent quarterback. But uh, he, he's our only backup. So you needed to get another body in there, whether it be for camp or just to be able to push for that backup position. Um, Obviously, we re-signed Ryan Tannehill to a long-term deal. I'm not sure he's a four-year, $17 million guy, uh, but he did obviously revamp the Titans' offense. In fact, he was the most accurate quarterback for the last 12 games that he played in the NFL. So I'm okay with that, but I, would, I was hoping that we maybe address something a little sooner and maybe not Cole McDonald, but he does have a rocket. Uh, his upside is being a really good starter for us. His downside is being no different than Marcus Mariota. And then lastly, we took Chris Jackson from Marshall. He's one of those guys that can be a hybrid player. He can be cornerback, safety, all those different things. Uh, that, was a pro that was a pretty good pick, especially that late. Uh, I like Chris, Jack Chris Jackson. He's very, very uh, co competitive when he plays. He's a very mean guy. I like that. I want to see guys that will take your head off, the Steve Atwater type guys from the old days, John Lynch's, stuff like that. So uh, overall, I would say we got an A. I think we did pretty good with our draft. I, I, of course, we have some things that might be in the future that we will have to address. But I think the Titans are either going to be where they were last year or better. I think we're going to be, I think I would give us 9-7 and seven again because we've been, you guys know this, we've been 9-7 and seven since 2015. 
<laughs> Literally every single year, nine and seven. I think so you might get ten this year. I think this might be a year <laughs> where you get ten. We're going ten. I if think, we go I 10, think you I get 10, happy. and I think the Colts get 10 this year. Colts do get 10 for sure. But I think they're we, very good. We might be 10. We will win our division. You got to think the, the, the Texans are imploding. Um, Colts could be pretty good with Phillip Rivers. Depends on what happens with him if he doesn't implode because he's throwing 30 interceptions and decides to quit. Um, there's a good, those are really the only teams that we're really, really competing with. I think we could actually I think the don't bet, the don't bet against Deshaun, man. I know you say, I know you say Texans are imploding. There. Their, yeah. their team is not good anymore. No. They, they, their defense is so bad. It's, it's, so it's bad. terrible. But if they can address, they've addressed some issues. They've paid uh, Laramie Tunsil a lot of money. Yes. But you did bring out the worst court, I mean, the, worst, the best receiver that. Really in the NFL right now, and New Hopkins. Mm-hmm. If you're in and the you shot, brought over David Johnson and freaking Brandon Cooks, so I'm not concerned with the Texans at all. If you're in the Titans Watson are fan, you got to be rooting for you got to be rooting for a bad season for the Texans. I'm being so serious. Like you, you want him to get his stats and numbers, but you need to get him out of there hey, into his position where he. Well, they win. already picked up his option, so they're going to pay him a lot of money. Okay, yeah, they are. He's going to make his money, but I want. You, we know Deshaun's a winner. We've seen what he can do. This he's is a, what he's we a need winner. to happen. If you're a Clemson faithful, if you're a fan out there of Clemson football, this is the scenario that is ideal for you. You want two trade, three trades to happen. Okay, three. Okay, three <laughs> trades. You want. Deshaun Watson to be traded, you want Mike Williams to be traded, and you want Travis, well, not two trades and then a draft. So you want Deshaun Watson traded, Mike Williams to be traded, and Travis Etienne to get drafted to the Raiders. So you get Deshaun Watson (laughs) throwing it to Hunter Renfro, Henry Ruggs, and Mike Williams, handing it off to Josh Jacobs and Travis Etienne, and then also having the entire Clemson organization be out at the Raiders. That's what you want. Because then you cannot convince me that the Raiders won't beat everybody just with Deshaun Watson to Hunter Renfro. That's it. All you need. Rub little rub route with Hunter Renfro, it's over. So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I can't think of anybody that would be against something like that. And we know Gruden and... uh Gruden and Carr have had turmoil. It's like not entirely unreal. I don't know about Mike Williams trading in the division, but I could see Deshaun going to Las Vegas. I don't think that's far-fetched. Hey, man, coaches are making weird decisions now, so I don't put anything past anybody now. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, but that would be a fantasy scenario for sure, man. That would be great. Uh, lastly, folks, we're going to do something fun here between Mark, Fax, and I, and we're going to have uh, a little bet, a friendly bet. We're going to come back and revisit this in a year. Okay. Uh-huh. Based off of the, and folks, if you're in the comment section, put yours in here too. Based off of the draft and based off the things that teams have done in the offseason, what team do you think will win the Super Bowl based off of just those things? Facts, I'm going to go with you first. Listen, it's not, I'm this, this is probably going to sound far-fetched because this team did not particularly have a good draft, but I still think, I, I think the New Orleans Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. The, you have to get to the point where, they're too good of a team to get there and choke every single year. I mean, the, obviously the Minneapolis miracle, the terrible no-call pass interference. By the way, they would have pounded the Patriots that year. They definitely would have won. Oh, yeah. And then to get ended by Kirk Cousins in embarrassing fashion this year, I think next year is the year they finally get over the hump. They get it. They win it. 
Breeze retires and goes out on top, and they move on. I, th- I think the Saints beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl next year. And then the Saints move on with their man, Jameis Ta- Winston. Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. That would be an interesting thing to have. Like. He won't eat a Super Bowl. <laughs> he won't eat a dub in the Super Bowl. I'd be happy for Jameis Winston to be successful in the Super Bowl. I'd be happy with that. Why not? He's annoying, but why not? Yeah. All right. Mark? You know, I'm picking the same two teams. I, I mean, I legitimately feel like, in fact, and I never agree, which is why this probably is never coming true. But you see this all the time in the NFL, right? I mean, John Elway is a great uh, example of it, right? This year is going to be all about Drew Brees. It is his final year in the NFL. He has one Super Bowl. Probably should have uh, deserved the opportunity to get another one. I think Breeze finds a way to get it done this year. I don't think anybody's beating the Kansas City Chiefs over on the AFC. Uh, the 49ers, I, I almost, I've been struggling with it. I almost thought rematch because I really think those two teams are that good. But I, I see, you know, the Lombardi Trophy being raised by, you know, Drew Breeze. And where's he going? NBC? They say he's going to NBC. Going to be, uh, NBC, yes. He's going to NBC. Yep. And uh, he'll be thrilled with that. So Fax and I are going with the same two teams. I say Saints over Chiefs as well. It just seems like the storyline more than it is. anything. And it's they're, all about the storyline. They're a really good team, and the storyline mm-hmm. fits. So, okay. Drew Brees gets hurt in the Super Bowl, and Jameis Winston leads him to glory. I'm just kidding. This is going to be Ooh. all about Brees this year. Hey, it's well, going to be the Saints. If Nick Foles can go in and win a Super Bowl <laughs> for the Eagles, I am not putting it past <laughs> Jameis Winston with, with Michael Thomas. And Alvin Kamara. And he got LASIK surgery. Remember, he he got LASIK surgery. I'm not putting it past Jameis Winston to be able to actually do it. He did lead the league in passing touchdowns and yards, but he also led the league in interceptions, which is awful. I thought that I honestly don't know how he would have more interceptions than Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that's okay. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Look, the Baltimore Ravens was already one of the top-tier teams. You have a quarterback for the future. Now you have multiple running backs, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Mark Ingram. You've got tight ends out of the wazoo. Mark Andrews is amazing. You've resurfaced your offensive line to make it even better. You've addressed some things defensively in the draft, and not to mention you now have receivers to throw to. I can't see, and look, I'm a Titans fan. I want, we beat the Ravens. We beat two teams that we should not have beaten. If we would have beaten, I'm convinced that the football gods would not let us beat the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Chiefs in the same year. That was just not happening. But I don't see any way the Ravens don't just beat the crap out of everybody on the way to a, to a national, I mean, in a Super Bowl championship. I'm thinking college I could think here. of one way, and I think this is what scared me off of them the most. I think the Lamar Jackson regression tour is coming, and I think when it comes, it might hit hard. That's the thing. He has so many people around him to pick that up that it, it's almost null and void. Yeah, I think his defense, again, is going to be a top 10 defense. He's going to have They've got a good O-line too. multiple running backs. He's going to have great O-line. Even if he just ran slants and screens like he kind of did this year, 10-yard outs and stuff, and running, he's still going to be successful because he has so much talent around him. Whereas if, let's say this was a... Joe Burrow, and it, I hate to say this, but like a Joe Burrow right now, of course he's going to have T. Higgins, but outside of a, T. Higgins, you're going to have A.J. Green, not healthy. Alden Tate really didn't pick up anything. Tyler Boyd, not really that good, honestly, at this point. Uh, and Joe Mixon, they were talking about running more empty sets, so they're not even not even have a running back on the field. I think Joe Burrow, I, I, he doesn't have any help right now, uh, whereas Lamar Jackson has a team around him, so... 
again, and Jimmy Garoppolo can do it too. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, man. But um, so that's who I'm going to go with again. You've got, Mark's got the Saints. Yep, we both have Saints. And Fax has the Saints. I've got the Ravens. We'll revisit this in a year. Folks, thank you for joining me tonight. We went way over, but it was, this was fun. We needed to get this out. Uh, you're bored and you ain't doing anything anyway besides teaching your kids and staring at the walls all day. We're talking football. I'll be here next week. We're going to resume the uh, SEC realignment uh, episode that we were supposed to do tonight. Uh, we're going to have fun with that. Again, if you're watching, you can watch on Facebook over on 4th and 16 page, which is my page. Give it a like if you're new here on The Roar and on Twitter. You'll also be able to catch the show on podcast and YouTube later in the week, uh, probably Friday uh, and or Saturday, and catch that as well. Folks, thank you for joining us so much. Thank you to Mark Childress for joining me and my main man, Facts in the Back. Have a great night. <laughs>